This is First Read, a podcast from Edenton Street United Methodist Church, where the preachers for this upcoming Sunday read the texts for this appointed week. Join us for our First Read. This Sunday is the seventh Sunday after Pentecost, and it'll be July 16th. And uh, I'm Greg Moore, and I'll be preaching in the sanctuary this Sunday. And I'm Amanda Rigby, and I will be preaching in the gathering this Sunday. The texts appointed for this Sunday are uh, Genesis 25, Psalm 119, Romans 8, and Matthew 13. And as I've been sitting with these texts, I'm again drawn to the Genesis passage. We've been reading these larger-than-life stories from the book of Genesis, and this is another one. It's another one of those bedrock stories that um, that shapes the rest of Scripture. And so I'm drawn to the Genesis text, and I'll read that uh, in just a second. Amanda, what about you? I'm thinking about the Romans text. It's from Romans 8, and it talks a lot about uh, freedom and selfishness, and those are two things that I think about all the time. So it felt like kind of an easy win. Well, uh, let me let me start by reading the Genesis text, and, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And then, uh, Amanda, if you could read the Romans text, and we'll hear what we hear. So, this is Genesis 25, 19 to 34. These are the descendants of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham became the father of Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean, and Padan Aram. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife, since she was unable to have children. The Lord was moved by his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. But the boys pushed against each other inside of her, and she said, If this is what it's like, why did it happen to me? So she went to ask the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two different peoples will emerge from your body. One people will be stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. When she reached the end of her pregnancy, she discovered that she had twins. The first came out red all over, clothed with hair, and she named him Esau. Immediately afterward, his brother came out gripping Esau's heel, and she named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. When the young men grew up, Esau became an outdoorsman who knew how to hunt, and Jacob became a quiet man who stayed home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was boiling stew, Esau came in from the field hungry and said to Jacob, I'm starving. Let me devour some of this red stuff. That's why his name is Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright today. Esau said, since I'm going to die anyway, what good is my birthright to me? Jacob said, give me your word today. And he did. And he sold his birthright to Jacob. So Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate, drank, got up, and left, showing just how little he thought of his birthright. There's so much there. Mm. It's a lot of drama. It's a lot of drama. The, 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 
I mean, the, there's so much there. There's some. There's the the choosing. You know, the, one of the refrains that comes out of this text for the rest of Scripture is Jacob, I've loved, right? Mm -hmm. And there's all these reversals of societal norm, which is one way you could go. Um, I mean, Jacob is a mama's boy, mm -hmm. right? So it's a very patriarchal story. It talks about like who is the son of who and who is the son of who, and then all of a sudden, the center stage is not the one who is like tied to his father but it's rebecca's favorite so there's that reversal um there's the younger becoming more important which is of course another societal reversal um but what's there to love about jacob like he is this little ankle biter <laughs> who is also a swindler and he like, why, why are we holding him up as the hero? That's one of the questions I have, too. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. So, societal reversals, which, I don't know, Scripture does that all the time, and I, it's, it's almost to the point where it's expected. Uh, and um, what, I'm, what I'm keyed into, at least today, on this Tuesday is um, us venerating an unethical movement. Jacob Jacob isn't acting very Christian. <laughs> well, he's not Christian. He's not. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but he's not. He's, he's just not acting very, uh, you know, this is not the kind of story that I want to tell my kids at night before they go to bed. Yeah, because they'd be fighting all night. If right? you told them that story, they'd yeah. be fighting each other also uh can i just say this that as a parent who hasn't said this uh rebecca why says, did this happen to me <laughs> yeah rebecca's like why did this happen to me uh-huh i feel you rebecca so the best. Um, anyway there's a societal reversals but then there's also this peculiar veneration of deeply unethical behavior of manipulation and um yeah taking advantage of someone else and that's kind of jacob's mo i mean he does that his entire life um later on he wrestles with this divine being and won't stop until he gets blessed and that's not how most of us come to understand blessing from god it's mm. like fighting god for blessing i don't think most of us think of it that way but jacob did um and later on when he runs into esau <laughs> he sends forward all of his women and children so that esau doesn't kill him <laughs> so it's just kind of the way he lives his life he's always scheming he's always fighting yeah, yeah. Hmm. It, it, i mean in that story where he's wrestling is where the name gets changed right to yeah. israel yeah. which is those who struggle with god mm -hmm. yeah he's this little fighter mm -hmm. hmm. i think there's something to like in him with that identity you're so rebecca <laughs> <laughs> cool <laughs> <laughs> societal reversals and god blessing this little ankle biter struggler um anyway that's our genesis story what's happening in romans uh in romans we've just finished romans 7 which is the most ridiculous piece of scripture in the bible uh it's paul saying i do what i don't want to do and what i do want to do i don't do 
And uh, at one point he says, I'm a miserable human being. It's like one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. Uh, and then he says, who can save me from being this scumbag that I am? And then he's like, right, it's Jesus. Um, and so that's where we pick up in Romans 8. Uh, so this is Romans 8 verses 1 through 11. So now there isn't any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. God has done what was impossible for the law since it was weak because of selfishness. God condemned sin in the body by sending his own son to deal with sin in the same body as humans who are controlled by sin. He did this so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now, the way we live is based on the spirit, not based on selfishness. People whose lives are based on selfishness think about selfish things, but people whose lives are based on the spirit think about things that are related to the spirit. The attitude that comes from selfishness leads to death, but the attitude that comes from the spirit leads to life and peace. So the attitude that comes from selfishness is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law because it can't. People who are self-centered aren't able to please God. But you aren't self-centered. Instead, you are in the Spirit, if in fact God's Spirit lives in you. If anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Him. If Christ is in you, the Spirit is your life because of God's righteousness, but the body is dead because of sin. If the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your human bodies also through his spirit that lives in you. I think that this text kind of preaches itself in some ways um, because so much of our lives, I won't say like universally, but I would say here in the United States of America, so much of our lives is based on selfishness and we kind of make selfishness our law instead of, um, abiding by what Paul would call like the law of the spirit. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of where my mind is thinking on this Tuesday. I will eventually go with this text. Um, I love that uh, at one point Paul tells the Romans who they are um, because it seems like maybe they don't know. So he says, you aren't self-centered. Uh, instead, you are in the spirit. And um, I love that because sometimes it's easy to forget who we are and it's really helpful to hear someone that we know and trust name that for us. And Paul isn't always the best at that. Sometimes he yells at them. Um, I kind of picture some of his letters like in all caps, like, <laughs> you know, that's like, I don't know, that's like email speak for yelling, right? I kind of think that's how Paul just like writes letters. But this is, this is gentler than that. It's kinder than that. And he's hoping that um, they'll hear that and, um, and maybe embrace a new identity or an identity that they had left behind so that then they would actually be these uh, selfless people in the way of Christ instead of continuing to be selfish people. Hmm. So that's kind of where I'm thinking I might go. Is that sort of in the vein of, uh, if you're familiar with Richard Rohr's like true self, false self kind of thing? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Where Father Rohr talks about our true self being, uh, I mean, who we are in God. Mm -hmm. And our false self being all the other stuff. And so Paul's reminding us of our true self. Yeah. Um, 
as opposed to the false self. Mm-hmm. There's so many big concepts in here. Yeah. Confession from me as to why like I, I struggle to preach from Romans often is because there's so many big concepts that I feel like are, you talked about Western Americans that are foreign to us. I feel like there's so much mm-hmm. teaching that needs to go along. Like, what is the law? We talk about the law. I mean, you, you made a great homiletical move, our law being selfishness. But I mean, Paul's obviously writing to Jewish folks who know what the sure. law is, right? And so, yeah. and there's so much translation for our people to even have a concept of that kind of um, Judaic understanding of law. And then sin. Um, you know, he, there's a refrain of the word sin in there, mm. which is a word that, uh, gosh, is layered yeah. and often weaponized. Mm. And so I'm just saying, like, these are the things that when I encounter this text as a preacher, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to spend a half an hour explaining <laughs> before we, like, before we can even like, what are we when I when we say law? Here's what we mean. When we say sin, here's what we mean. Yeah. It's all. It's very much that Jewish. I mean, that Jesus. You know, you've heard it said, but I say to you. Yeah. How, do you, do you encounter any of that at all when you come to Paul in the text, or how? Totally. Are you going to fix that this Sunday in the sermon? I am. That's yeah. Great. It's, it's going to be approximately fifty minutes. Um. <laughs> so if you're coming to the gathering, maybe just buckle up um yeah i think there's like a couple of pitfalls that it would be really easy to fall into uh the first of which paul sort of sets up like volleyball like bump set spike um and i think that would be like this kind of almost like anti-semitic notion that the law is broken and i mean he kind of alludes to that right that it's it was weak and um not ultimately what was needed um so I think it's really important to say, I think all of that is relative in, in different places in Philippians. Paul talks about being like uh, the the most Jewish of Jewish people and um, his intimate knowledge of the law and all of the things that he added to his resume about how awesome he was at being a Pharisee. And um, so I think it's really important to remember when Paul writes this stuff that that's his foundation is ultimate respect of the law and abiding by the law. And also he embraces the words of Jesus who says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it and um, to, to bring life to it. So I think that's kind of what I hear when I think about the law in this text is how does the law of the spirit fulfill the law that we previously abide under? Um, what is that law? Not the law of the spirit, but the, what Paul's talking about. Yeah. I think the he's, previous law. he's talking about something very specific um, he's talking about like everything that God lays out for them to do uh, in Genesis and Exodus and these stories that we're reading um, now. Everything that God intends for God's people to be and do together in community. Um, and some of those laws, uh, I think, are still really important. Things like uh, don't kill people. Like that's a that's a big one that still is really important to us today. But there are other laws um, or instructions like stone your disobedient children that we don't do those things anymore. Um, and I think that that's one way in which uh, the law has evolved um, into something that could be perfected uh, in our own lives in different ways. Um, but it's complex. Yeah, it would take some time to unpack that. So definitely going to spend some time thinking about how to talk about that. Um, and I think along with that comes this idea of sin, which you brought up. How would you define sin? 
Uh, well, I mean, you know, the basic definition is missing the mark. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what uh, what what Paul does beautifully, not a phrase I say often. Uh, what Paul does <laughs> beautifully <either. laughs> is uh, he makes he continually makes Jesus the mark, mm-hmm. and so Jesus is the is the mark for humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sin is when we fall short of that, and that's where Paul draws us into grace. Um, so mm. uh, we often, anyway, th- yeah, th- what is sin is a long, long conversation, but I think it's ultimately missing the mark of God's desire for humanity. And if you want to know what God's desire for humanity is, it's Jesus. Mm. That's what the human one should look like. Yeah. So. And we miss the mark pretty often, I think. I do. Yeah, maybe I won't speak for all of us, but no, I, I do. think we can say we do. I, do. I mean, Paul says so in Romans. So, all have sinned right. and fallen short of the glory of God, I believe he That's says. Right. Yeah. That's right. But then he says things like there isn't any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, another good question is what does that mean mm. to be in Christ Jesus? Does that mean we never sin? Does that mean we apologize when we do? Um, it's a good question. This Sunday at Edenton Street United Methodist Church will be wrestling with Jacob and Esau and then wrestling with Paul around the law and sin and selfishness. We hope you be there. <laughs>